0: Section 14 of the Watergate Report, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Dennison, Portland, Maine. Final Report of the Senate Select Committee on Presidential Campaign Activities, Volume 2. Chapter 4 Campaign Financing, Part 14. Section 9 compromise of campaign debts. Investigation by the select committee has developed evidence that at the same time as the presidential campaign committees of Democratic candidate Senator George McGovern were settling bills with creditors, including corporations, at 50 percent of their face value, these presidential committees were making substantial transfers of funds to McGovern senatorial committees in anticipation of a 1974 contest for his re-election to his Senate seat. The transfer of funds was first revealed by the McGovern Finance Committee, December 31, 1972, report, furnished to the Government Accounting Office. As disclosed in this report, $25,000 was transferred from the Citizens for McGovern Presidential Campaign Committee to the Citizens for McGovern U.S. Senatorial Campaign Committee on November 20, 1972. By transfer of these funds and others, Senator McGovern has been able to supplement the resources of his Senatorial Citizens for McGovern Committee in the total amount of $340,416.96. Following is a list of McGovern Presidential Committees that transferred funds to Citizens for McGovern, U.S. Senate. Citizens for McGovern, Presidential, 1019 19th Street, Northwest. Washington, D.C. Date, November 20, 1972. Amount, $25,000. January 9, 1973, $25,000. February 14, 1973, $25,000. March 12, 1973, $100,000. May 17, 1973, $50,000. June 23, 1973, $20,000, August 3, 1973, $10,000, August 10, 1973, $30,000, December 30, 1973, $7,054. The total, $292,054. McGovern for President, 721. Milwaukee, Box 3201, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Date, May 24, 1973. Amount, $1,000. Total, $1,000. Michigan McGovern for President Committee, 18647, Livernois Avenue, Detroit, Michigan. Date, August 20, 1973. Amount, $21,500. Total, $21,500. McGovern Committee, 6400G, Goldsboro Road, number 301, Bethesda, Maryland. Date, September 29, 1973. Amount, $25,400. Total, $25,400. Almeida County, Educators for McGovern, 2140 Shattuck Avenue, Care of Ernest McCoy, Esquire, Berkeley, California. Date, December 19. 1973, $462.96. Total, $462.96. The grand total, $340,416.96. During this period, over the signature of Marion Perlman, McGovern National Treasurer, letters were sent to creditors to get them to agree to settle debts owed to them for less than the full amount. Thus, a letter dated December 15, 1972, by Miss Perlman to Miss Martha Keyes, 2339, Chris Drive, Manhattan, Kansas, reads, Henry is out of town, and I have your letter of December 3. First of all, the newspaper reports of the post-election financial condition of the McGovern for President Committee were inaccurate. We do not at this time have enough money to pay all our debts, I am hopeful that we will be able to obtain settlements from our creditors at less than the full amount owed. All state committees are expected to settle their financial affairs themselves. We are not assuming any state obligations. I would imagine that once you get all your accounts settled, the Topeka printer would be willing to settle for some payment on the account as payment in full. We are writing to our trade creditors asking them to settle for 50% of the amount owed. The committee investigation reveals that McGovern for President, Incorporated, a presidential committee, has succeeded by way of payment at less than the full amount or no payment at all in reducing obligations to business creditors, virtually all of them corporations, in the amount of $35,322.32. Initially, goods and services furnished by IBM for which payment was made at less than the full amount came to the attention of committee investigators, and IBM advised the committee by letter, dated February 14, 1974, that they had dealt with approximately 45 political committees during the presidential campaign of 1972 and had billed for goods and services provided in the amount of $952,000. Responding through their corporate counsel, IBM furnished information concerning the current status of their billing, which revealed that As of February 14, 1974, they had current billings of $3,142.64, a delinquent billing of $6,979.13, and bills written off as uncollectible in the amount of $1,575.27. The $1,575.27 figure was for goods and services provided to McGovern for President committees. The committee investigation also reveals that $9,606.02 was written off by Xerox as an uncollectible from the McGovern presidential campaign. A document furnished to committee investigators by Marianne Perlman entitled Schedule of forgiven debts in excess of $100 listed 46 companies, not including IBM and Xerox, that were offered the opportunity to accept settlement for 50% of the amount owed, which was $36,061.37. A check with these companies disclosed that 11 had eventually been paid in full following is a list of 37 companies which held indebtedness in excess of $100 for the McGovern presidential campaign of 1972 for a total of $35,322.32 which according to committee investigation was not paid schedule of forgiven debts in excess of $100 creditor IBM armonk new york debt forgiven $1,575.27. Xerox Corporation, Rochester, New York. $9,606.02. Stumart Press and Envelope Company, Post Office Box 85, Beltsville, Maryland. $135.60. Transion Air Freight, O'Hara International Airport. 5201 North Row Street, Chicago, Illinois. $423.61. Wire Service Supply Company, 220 East 42nd Street, New York, New York. $117.04. Electronic Center, 5258 Reister Town Road, Baltimore, Maryland. $125. Winnipesaukee Aviation, Incorporated. Post Office Box 165, Lakeport, New York. Yankee Trails, 3rd Avenue Extension, Rensselaer, New York, $284. Airport Motor Inn, Post Office Box, 12422, Houston, Texas, $310.60 Audiovisual Innovations, Incorporated, 152 West 42nd Street, New York, New York, $326.83 Avis Grand Rent-A-Car, 1207 West 3rd Street, Los Angeles, California, $123.53. Radisson South, 7-800, Normandale Boulevard, Minneapolis, Minnesota, $191.94. Bush Hill Transportation Company, 109 Norfolk Street, Dorchester, Maine, $192.70. Budget Rent-A-Car, 7195, South Bay Road, North Syracuse, New York, $150. Chateau Inn, Box 506, Chedris, Texas, $141.85. Cherry Hill Inn, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, $218.06. HF Rental, Learing Incorporated, Route 230, High Spire, Pennsylvania, $519.74. St. Anthony Hotel, P.O. Box 2411, Houston, Texas, $1,068.71. Sheraton, Ohio Motels, 210 North Main Street, Dayton, Ohio, $1,013.10. Patuxent Valley Bus Lines, 76 Industrial Lane, West Warwick, Rhode Island, $173.25. Color Film Corporation, P.O. Box 5003, Stamford, Connecticut, $268.60. East Shore Lines Charter Service, 55 Townsend Court, San Francisco, California, $297.00. Haynes & Company, 8050 Freedom Avenue, Northwest North Canton, Ohio, $684.26. Hayes Motor Hotel, Jackson, Mississippi, one hundred sixty one dollars thirty cents. Holiday Inn of Houston, Nassau, thirteen hundred Nassau Boulevard, Houston, Texas, four hundred fifty three dollars and five cents. Holland and Tavern Incorporated, East Sixth and Superior Avenue, Cleveland, Ohio, one hundred twenty eight dollars seventy one cents. Imperial Air Freight Service, Incorporated, one hundred fifty one Oliver Street, Newark, New Jersey. Yellow Cab Company, Incorporated, 816 I Street, Northwest, Washington, D.C., $120. Welsh Catering Company, 1226 Folsom Street, San Francisco, California, $165.90. Airport Transit, 10053 International Road, Los Angeles, California, $142.50. Quadrangle Books Incorporated, 330 Madison Avenue, New York, New York, $307.17. Ramada Inn, 2151 South Hotel Circle, San Diego, California, $102.66. Robolith, 4535 Van Dam Street, Long Island City, New York, $4,173.32. Union Dining Service, Room 110, Union Building, Box 7036, University Station, Austin, Texas. $207.16. Uptowner Inn, Incorporated, 1415, 4th Avenue, Huntington, West Virginia. $288.75. The total $35,322.32. In a letter to Senator Irvin, Senator McGovern commented on the practice of his presidential campaign settling certain obligations at less than their face amount. First, when these debts were settled, there was every reason to believe that the McGovern campaign would not have enough money to cover all remaining obligations in full. At the beginning of January 1973, when the letter suggesting a settlement to creditors was sent out, The McGovern for President Committee had debts totaling some $800,000 and cash on hand of about $460,000. It was in part through settlements, both of personal loans to the campaign and of these few bills owing to corporations, that the deficit was worked down. By the end of February, we were down to roughly $100,000 in the red. Over time, With the payment of such bills owed to the campaign as press payments for air transportation, we ended up with a net surplus in terms of bills currently due. However, we were still obliged to hold reserves against such potential obligations as a workman's compensation suit in Oregon and a large tax claim. As recently as March 7, 1974, the treasurer of my campaign, Henry Kimmelman, Advised me that our possible liabilities still exceeded our assets, even including in those assets earnings since the campaign from interest and rental of the mailing list. It may be argued that the feature distinguishing my campaign from other campaigns, which have settled debts to corporations at less than their full value, is the fact that pending disposition of remaining claims, there is at the moment a net balance remaining from my 1972 effort. But the fact is that at the time these settlements were made, we were confronted with a sizable deficit, which was eliminated only because a number of creditors were willing to extinguish our obligations in exchange for less than the total due. It is, of course, possible to look back from some 15 months later and conclude that we could have paid more of the obligations than were settled and perhaps even to make a value judgment that in doing that we should have given a priority to corporate debts as opposed to individual loans and staff salaries and expenses which were in arrears because of a post facto conclusion that corporate settlements although wholly at arm's length are none the less akin to corporate contributions but i suggest that charging us to foresee in january of nineteen seventy one how the books would ultimately balance out sets a requirement for superhuman foresight. Indeed, we cannot even foresee that for certain now. With liabilities greatly in excess of our firm assets, the only prudent thing to do at the time was to contact all creditors and suggest a settlement of the debts. That is precisely what we did. And as individual creditors responded, we made the agreed partial payments to extinguish the individual debt. With respect to the campaign's transferring certain funds to Senator McGovern's re-election campaign, he had the following comment. Funds were transferred from the Citizens for McGovern Committee, a presidential campaign committee, to my Senate campaign committee during the time when these debts were being settled. There is, of course, no prohibition against such transfers, even if it had been money raised at the national level. But in fact... These funds were not available for use in paying off debts incurred by the National McGovern Campaign. Part of the funds transferred during the period when debts were being settled came from state and local McGovern Committees, which had money remaining after the campaign. Those were funds raised on their own by autonomous committees working on behalf of my campaign and the money was sent in to Washington after the election with the explicit understanding that it would be used in my 1974 campaign for re-election to the Senate. These groups had authority to dispose of their remaining funds in any way they saw fit, and they chose to support my South Dakota campaign. Application of their money to debts incurred by the national McGovern campaign, debts which were not the responsibility of those state and local groups, would have violated the choice they had every right to make in regard to the disposal of whatever balances they had on hand when the campaign was over like our national campaign committees these various committees around the country were also reporting to the general accounting office after consulting with legal counsel and with the democratic senatorial campaign committee we temporarily deposited these funds in the account of the citizens form a governed presidential committee to assure that the GAO records would show both ends of the transaction. This also had the advantage of simplifying our own bookkeeping operations. In addition, after the presidential campaign was over, we received a number of individual contributions from around the country for my Senate campaign. Those funds, too, were deposited temporarily in the Citizens for McGovern account. Section 10 Cash Contributions by Contractors Because of the withdrawal by presidential candidate John V. Lindsay, then mayor of New York City, prior to April 7, 1972, the Lindsay Campaign Committee did not file a federal report concerning their campaign finances. However, the receipt of cash contributions and the use of a safe deposit box after April 7, 1972, became the subject of a committee inquiry. Two $5,000 contributions in cash by officers of companies doing business with New York City are the focus of this discussion. In early 1972, David W. Kuyper, then Deputy Commissioner for the Department of Highways in the City of New York, solicited campaign contributions to assist the Lindsay campaign. Kuyper stated that, though not asked by anyone to solicit campaign contributions for candidate Lindsay, his actions were prompted by reading a newspaper article which related that lindsay had sustained a one hundred thousand dollar debt with the conclusion of the florida primary prompted by this concern kuyper contacted peter jordan a subordinate who was general supervisor of the new york city highway department queen's plant located in flushing new york Kuyper stated that he advised Jordan of the need for funds on the part of the Lindsay campaign and asked Jordan whether he might be able to be of some help. Kuyper stated that he believed that he and Jordan, in their conversation, mutually arrived at a plan to seek campaign contributions, but denied that there was any specific mention of soliciting contractors or suppliers of goods to the City of New York. This conversation took place at Kuyper's office. Kuyper stated that approximately a week after his initial conversation with Jordan, he met Jordan for lunch at a restaurant, and at that meeting, Jordan furnished to him an envelope containing $10,000 in $20 bills. Kuyper stated that Jordan did not tell him from whom the contributions were obtained, but indicated to him that the names of the contributors were included with the cash in the envelope. Kuyper advised the committee staff that he did not count the money to assure himself that, in fact, $10,000 was there, but only delivered the envelope to the Lindsay Lexington Avenue headquarters, where he personally handed it to Richard Aurelio, a former deputy mayor of New York City, and at that time, Lindsay's campaign manager. Kuyper stated that Aurelio accepted the contribution, glanced at the contents of the envelope, and then delivered the envelope to a third person and told him to count it and list it according to the names of the contributors. Kuiper stated that he had no conversation with Candidate Lindsay with regard to this cash contribution and denied that he knew that the $10,000 contribution was obtained from two contractors who did business with the City of New York until a later time when he was questioned by a New York City investigator. On this occasion, he learned that $5,000 was contributed by Frank Licorti, owner of the Mascali Construction Corporation, and $5,000 by Frank Castiglione, a partner of the Jet Asphalt Corporation, with Lou and Fred Durante. On November 6, 1973, in a staff interview, Jordan confirmed that he had had a conversation with his former supervisor, Kuyper, relating to the financial needs of the Lindsay campaign. Kuyper had formerly exercised a supervision over the Queen's Highway Department plant, which provided about one third of the New York City asphalt production. Jordan generally affirmed the information furnished by kuyper and related that in response to Kuyper's request for contributions to assist the Lindsay campaign. He did, in fact, contact Castiglione and Lou Duranti, whose corporation is a substantial supplier of asphalt to the Queen's plant. Jordan mentioned to Castiglione and Duranti his desire to obtain funds for the financially overextended Lindsay campaign, and though not being able to recall specifically, he stated that he may have mentioned an amount of money that he was seeking. On the same day, Jordan talked to LaCorti of the Mascali Corporation, which is located near the Jet Asphalt Corporation in Flushing, New York about a week later while on one of his daily visits to the jet asphalt corp and the mascali corp he inquired of the owners what they were going to do concerning the contributions he had requested jordan stated that he received five thousand dollars contribution from Licorti and a five thousand dollar joint contribution from the co-owners of the jet asphalt corporation jordan stated that though the money was furnished to him in cash he did not make a request for cash and he had no recollection that in his discussions with Kuiper that cash contributions were mentioned. Subsequent to obtaining the contributions from the officers of these two corporations, Jordan met Kuiper at the Amber Lantern Restaurant in Flushing, New York, and handed Kuiper an envelope which contained the $10,000 in cash. Jordan stated Kuiper told him at that time, and later confirmed it, that he would take the money directly to Lindsay Headquarters and give it to Aurelio. On November 5, 1973, in staff interview, Castaglioni advised the committee that he had, in fact, furnished a $5,000 contribution, one-third of which was given by each partner of the Jet Asphalt Corporation. He related that the solicitation and contribution were consummated in late May or early June of 1972 and he confirmed that the solicitation was from Jordan, whom Castaglione knew to be active in politics. Castaglione stated that he understood that the money he was furnishing Jordan was for the Lindsay campaign. However, he denied that the contribution was in any way related to the awarding of contracts to his company by the City of New York. The committee uncovered evidence that the Jet Asphalt Corp. and the Mascali Corp. did, as a joint venture, make a bid and was awarded a contract in about July 1972 in the gross amount of $1,700,000 to provide asphalt to the City of New York for the period from July 1, 1972 to July 25, 1973. Castaglione denied that he saw anything wrong with the contribution he had furnished to Jordan, with the qualification added, quote, so long as the funds are personal and not corporate, Richard Aurelio, interviewed by the committee staff on October 17, 1973, stated that he was the senior official of the Lindsay campaign and functioned as campaign manager from December 1971 until early April 1972, when Lindsay withdrew from the race. Prior to December 1971, Aurelio had been deputy mayor of New York City and served in that capacity for two years, in response to inquiry concerning aurelio's recollection of any cash contributions in excess of one thousand dollars received by the lindsey campaign aurelio stated that he could recall only one situation which involved the receipt of two contributions in cash of five thousand dollars each he explained that a short time after the Lindsay withdrawal a new york city official delivered either one or two envelopes containing the two five thousand dollar contributions He acknowledged that the money was contributed by two Queen's contractors, but denied knowing either the names of the contractors or the city official who delivered these contributions. Aurelio acknowledged some awareness of a contribution to the Lindsay campaign from Mrs. John Loeb, and a second contribution through Mrs. Loeb from Duane Andreas. However, he disavowed any knowledge that cash was furnished in these transactions. Aurelio stated that he was aware that the Lindsay Campaign had a bank safe deposit box available for its use. However, he denied any knowledge of the location of the safe deposit box. He stated that Fergus Reed III was the senior financial officer with the Lindsay Campaign and the individual who would have custody and control, as well as knowledge of those items maintained in the safe deposit box. Aurelio, when pressed for further details, advised that it was his belief that the cash contributed by the two Queen's contractors had been placed in a safety deposit box, and that he had later learned of a disbursement from these funds for the payment of a polling bill. On September 21, 1973, Fergus Reed III advised the committee staff that he had served as the treasurer for Lindsay's 1972 presidential campaign from December 1, 1971, until Lindsay withdrew after the Wisconsin primary. Reed described his responsibilities as receiving, maintaining, dispersing, and accounting for Lindsay's funds. He stated that he did not have any responsibility for fundraising, that is, the actual solicitation, but he was on several occasions the recipient of contributions to the campaign. Reed identified Steve McDonald as the finance director for the Lindsay Campaign, who had responsibility for fundraising efforts. Reed furnished to the committee the names of the Lindsay Campaign committees, in whose names checking accounts were maintained at the Chemical Bank of New York City. He identified these committees, the Elect John Lindsay Committee, the Lindsay in 1972 Committee, and the Aurelio Testimonial Committee. In addition, Reed confirmed that the Lindsay campaign did have a safe deposit box, which, though at the time of this interview, Reed believed to be at the chemical bank. He later provided information that the safe deposit box was located in the First National City Bank at 111 Wall Street, New York City. In response to questions concerning cash contributions to the Lindsay campaign, Reed advised the committee staff that he could personally recall three persons who contributed sums in cash. One was John Loeb, and the other two were building contractors in Queens, the last two having contributed $5,000 each. Reed denied any knowledge of the circumstances surrounding the contributions furnished by the Queens contractors and specifically stated that he had no knowledge with regard to the reasons for which the contractors made these contributions in cash. In a subsequent interview on October 2, 1973, Reed advised the committee staff that he had determined that the safe deposit box served to provide a ready source of cash disbursement to advance men and petty cash reimbursements to campaign workers. Though conceding that he had access to the safe deposit box along with Steve McDonald, the Lindsay Finance Director, Reed denied that he had ever used the box and stated that, to the best of his recollection, the most cash ever in the box was approximately $15,000. Steve McDonald, finance director for Lindsay's principal campaign committee, Lindsay in 72, began his duties in December 1971 and concluded his full-time paid employment on April 10, 1972. McDonald told the committee staff on September 24, 1973, that he did not know of any solicitation activity, to obtain political contributions in cash, and further stated that he had no knowledge that others connected with the Lindsay campaign solicited cash. He stated that he had knowledge of some cash contributions in excess of $1,000, and noted that he personally received a $10,000 cash contribution from Mrs. John Loeb, which he obtained from a secretary in John Loeb's office. He stated that he had no recollection of discussing this particular contribution with Lindsay, and could offer no explanation as to why this contribution was in the form of cash. MacDonald stated that he delivered this cash contribution to Reed's office, where, to the best of his recollection, he gave the money to Mrs. Elaine Wallenstein. MacDonald stated that he believes the $10,000 cash contribution was put in a safe deposit box, but he claims no knowledge as to the use made of these funds. MacDonald related that at a subsequent time, possibly before the Florida primary, Mrs. Lowe gave to him an additional five thousand dollars in cash contribution, which she told him was from Duane O. Andreas. Again, MacDonald transmitted this cash contribution to Reed's office. McDonald recalled that there was another cash contribution received by the Lindsay Committee, and that contribution was from a New York architect. MacDonald denied knowledge of any cash contributions coming from contractors doing business with the City of New York, and further stated that he had no knowledge of the use of cash to pay for any goods and services in excess of $500. Mrs. Elaine Wallenstein was interviewed by the committee staff On October 26, 1973, she advised that she handled the bookkeeping duties, which included the recording and the deposit of contributions received by the Lindsay Campaign. She noted that the Lindsay Campaign Treasurer's Office was located at 110 Wall Street. Mrs. Wallenstein advised the committee that, at the direction of her supervisor, Reed, she had leased a safe deposit box from the First National City Bank of New York City in late December of 1971 or early January of 1972. She noted that the signatories for the box were, in addition to herself, Reed and MacDonald, and that, for the sake of convenience, the box had been leased in her name, rather than in the name of the Lindsay campaign. At the time the bank deposit box was opened, Mrs. Wallenstein stated that she recalled a conversation with Reed, during which she believed he told her that Aurelio had requested that a safe deposit box be opened. She stated that in January of 1972, at about the same time the bank safe deposit box was opened, she received a sealed envelope from the Lindsay Madison Avenue headquarters and was instructed to put the envelope in the safe deposit box, which she did. She stated that she cannot recall any marking on the envelope, nor can she explain her belief that the envelope contained an unknown amount of cash. She recalled that approximately a week later, She was instructed to take the envelope out of the box and have it delivered to the Madison Avenue headquarters. She kept no record of the receipt or return of the envelope to the Lindsay headquarters and stated that she has no knowledge of what was done with the package after delivery. Mrs. Wallenstein stated that in July 1972 she received a phone call from Reed asking that she pick up a package for him at Aurelio's home she stated that she followed these instructions and obtained from aurelio an envelope which she later opened she stated that the envelope contained twenty thousand dollars in cash but she has no recollection as to the denomination of the bills she placed this money in the safe deposit box and informed Reed of her actions on this matter he then instructed her to bring all or part of the cash she cannot remember in the envelope to the finance office upon receiving these instructions she took the envelope out of the box and delivered it to mrs emily aurelio she recalled that reed had told her that some bills would be paid with these monies mrs wallenstein advised the staff that the only other occasion she could recall using the bank box was in late april 1972 and at that time mcdonald had delivered to her an unsealed envelope which contained cash She stated that she did not count the money, and, on the following day, upon receiving instructions from Reed, she removed the envelope and delivered it to the Lindsay headquarters. Though, she stated, she did not know to whom she was delivering these various amounts of cash, it was her belief that these monies were going to Aurelio. In addition, Mrs. Wallenstein stated that no records of receipt or deposit to the safe deposit box relating to the contents were ever made. Mrs. Wallenstein advised that she had no knowledge that cash contributions had been received from John Loeb, Duane Andreas, Frank Castiglione, or anyone else. She related that any such cash contributions could represent the deposits she made to the Safe Deposit Box, but she said that this was speculation on her part. Mrs. Emily Aurelia advised the committee that she worked in the capacity of Clerk Typist from January 1972, to October 1972 for the Lindsay campaign. She stated that she could only remember three instances wherein she handled cash contributions in excess of $1,000 and recalled that on one occasion in January 1972, she picked up $2,400 at the Madison Avenue headquarters and deposited this money in the campaign account Aurelio Testimonial Account. This account was located in the Chemical Bank of New York she noted that so far as she knew this cash represented the sale of dinner tickets mrs aurelia recalled that in july or august of 1972 at the request of mrs wallenstein she typed two receipts in the total amount of seven thousand eight hundred dollars to two business concerns in the second case when she counted the cash in the presence of mrs wallenstein they found that they were one hundred dollars short so she accompanied Mrs. Wallenstein across the street to the First National City Bank, where she withdrew additional funds from the safe deposit box. Mrs. Aurelia stated that this was her first knowledge of the existence of a safe deposit box and the only time she had occasion to go to the box. End of Section 14 Recording by John Dennison, Portland, Maine